Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Greetings, my friends, and welcome to Short Story Theater, Season 2, Episode 5. I'm your host Basil Nightingale. Today we present, a tale, for all seasons, though it takes place on Christmas Eve. And now, from the little theater in the alley just off Main Street, we present Matthew Larbuck starring in Bill Russo's poignant tale called, Mama, and a Christmas Spirit. I love Halloween and Thanksgiving, but December 25th is my favorite holiday, just as it is for a lot of people. I've had many great Christmases, but the most special one happened long ago in another century. I was barely 10 years old, but I recall every minute of it as if only 12 months had passed, instead of more than 80 years. Pa had 40 acres up in New Hampshire that he got from his father, who had gotten 40 acres from his father. And so it had gone for 200 years and 10 generations of our family, on rich soil near Concord. Some of the boys left the farm to live and work in cities. But there always remained one, like my pa, willing to put on boots and dungarees, and band his back, by planting crops by hand. I can't say that Pa actually made a living from farming, but it is a fact, that we did live off that land. The five of us, my Pa, my Mama, eight-year-old Jimmy, little Maria who was four, and me. Tomatoes, potatoes, corn, green peppers, red peppers, cucumbers, and string beans, were the main crops. Pa harvested more than enough every season to feed the family right through the winter, and up until the next harvest. Eggs from the chickens, and a few staples, bought during the occasional trip to Aunt's Peckin's general store, supplemented our diet. What we couldn't grow, was fashioned by Mama, or Pa. Our clothes were hand-sewn by Mama, and they matched anything on display in the shops on Main Street in Concord. Dad carved me a baseball bat, from a maple tree, that also contributed mightily, to our wood pile. That same tree provided fishing poles for Pa, Jimmy, and me, as well as a doll, and even a dolly's crib for little Maria. I could tell you many things about our wonderful old farmhouse. Rickety, drafty, always in need of paint, yet warm and comfortable on the ground floor, where there was a wood stove and a fireplace. On the second floor, there was no fire, and it was chilly in fall and winter, but still somehow, it always seemed comfortable and cozy. That upper floor, I loved it. There were four bedrooms, with slanted walls and big dormer windows, that hosted nightly performances of an ever-changing tableau, of mysterious shapes and designs, cast by beams of moonlight, forced to sneak through the window panes, by darting around and through the trees and branches growing so close to the house that they seemed part of it. The old farmhouse could provide a pile of yarns, big enough to supply a clothing factory, but this is to be, a short story, so I will tell just one. I call it, Mama, and, the Spirit of Christmas. (music) 
Did you ever have one of those periods, where everything was going, just about as good as possible? For a humble farmer like Pa, that meant a season of abundant crops, all the family in good health, the chickens, and other animals being productive, $27, in the cookie jar on the top shelf of the kitchen hutch, and $139.56 on deposit, in a savings account, in the Concord branch of the Bank of New Hampshire. Now an optimist would think that things were going to get even better, and a pessimist would swear, they were going to get worse. My pa was neither one of those. He was, I guess you could say, a realist. He pretty much just took each day as it came, with little thought to a tomorrow, that was probably going to be, the same as it had been, for the last two centuries, for our family. But that Christmas season, something changed. To me more specific, it was on Christmas Eve itself. Mama was busy with last-minute preparations for the next day's holiday dinner. She had already baked two squash pies, two apple pies, and a chocolate cake. Me and Pa, and Jimmy, had our eyes, on the apple pies, but that chocolate cake was for little Maria. She was, you see, the apple of everybody's eye. There was a bad storm brewing, and sometimes a northeaster, during a New England winter can leave you snowbound and stuck in the house for a week. So Pa and me put on our galoshes, and started bringing in extra wood for the kitchen stove and the fireplace. After dropping our first load on the floor near the kitchen wood stove, Pa and I went back for more wood, while Jimmy went to the barn, to check on the animals. By the time our chores were done, the night sky had darkened our house, and we lit the lamps, in the kitchen, dining room, and the parlor. We had no electricity because the wires hadn't reached us yet. The closest power was some 20 miles away, but Pa figured in a few years they'd run a line to us, and then we'd be able, not only to have electric lights, but a big, floor model radio, with a glowing dial. When the lamps were burning brightly, we were ready to sit down to Christmas Eve supper, but first, as a treat for us kids, Mama lit the tall, slim candles, on the beautifully decorated Christmas tree, with its strings of popcorn, paper rings, nuts, shiny ornaments, and their bright, tin star, on the very top. <gasps> Mama I love the candles on the tree. I want them to burn forever. Because of the fire danger, Mama said we could only let the candles burn, for 30 minutes at a time, but that was long enough for the twinkling Christmas tree, to entertain us all through a wonderful meal of mashed potatoes, turkey and gravy, with yellow corn, and green string beans on the side, mixed with red and green peppers, which added a holiday color to the festive dinner. Jimmy and me, and even little Maria, helped Mama clear away the dishes after supper, while Pa went over to his bookshelf which proudly contained a Bible, a few books of short stories, an ABC Kids book, a copy of Moby Dick, one thin volume of Robert Frost poems, and five thick copies of Reader's Digest condensed books. Pa sat in his easy chair in the parlor, and thumbed through one of the storybooks until he found a tale about Christmas Eve. Then he called out to all of us to put aside our chores, and come and listen to him read a holiday tale, as he did every year, on the night before Christmas. 
Pa put on a pair of spectacles he inherited from his pa, and began to read. The story I'm going to tell you, begins in the drafty old home of an elderly old maid, named Constance Bennett. It takes place on another Christmas Eve, some 30 years ago. Miss Bennett's neighbor stopped in for a holiday visit, and happened to mention that a newly widowed lady in their village, had no money, and was probably headed for the poorhouse. Sad to say, the poorhouse is a very real place. It is populated by the old and the disabled. It's a shabby old mausoleum where they put people who have no way to support themselves. Papa stopped reading for a moment and told us solemnly that the poorhouses are all too real. We still have them, he said, right now in the modern day 1900s. But our family will never have to worry about such things children, because we have 40 acres of good New Hampshire land. He resumed the tale. Old Miss Constance Bennett had scarcely enough for her own needs, yet when she heard of the troubles of her neighbor she decided that she'd cut down on her cups of tea and muffins, and do away with a few other luxuries so that she could send some money to the poor widow lady. I looked over at my mama, sitting on the big, overstuffed couch. Her eyes were closed, as if she were listening to the story, and imagining the scene. But her fists were clenched, and her body began to stiffen. Pa! Stop reading! Go help Mama! She's fainted! Something's wrong! Springing from his easy chair, Pa was at Mama's side in one long leap. He grabbed her hand, pumping it, as though trying to draw water from a well. He touched her face. Her eyes remained closed, and there was no response. Her head was hotter than a flat iron. What happened to her Pa? I asked as panic began building up in me like a simmering volcano. I'm not sure, Pa answered. She's burning up with fever. It could be the Spanish flu. My Pa, told me about it. When he was a young boy, it swept through the world and killed millions of people. The epidemic hit every state, even here in New Hampshire, people were just dropping over and dying. We don't have anything in the family medicine bag, that will treat this. I'm going to have to go to Concord, and fetch Doc Adams. Doc was just starting out in medicine, when that flu hit, and he was one of the few doctors, who was able to save most of his patients. How are you going to get there Pa? There's a Northeaster building up. And even Mr. Lincoln can't get through a couple feet of snow, with temperatures down near zero. Mr. Lincoln is a farm horse Marty. He's no skinny ankled racehorse. Mr. Lincoln is used to plowing, hauling wood, and other heavy labor. It will be slow going and it might take us 24 hours, to go there, and get back here. You'll have to take charge while I'm gone. Keep Mama's head cool. Wrap up some snow, in a cloth, and press it to her forehead, to push the fever down. You must keep her alive, until I get back with Doc Adams. He's the only hope. While Pa was talking, little Jimmy, though only eight years old, sprang into action by racing to the barn, and putting the saddle on Mr. Lincoln. He tied three rolled up blankets, to the back of the saddle in hope of keeping his father and Mr. Lincoln warm enough, to be able to make the journey. A moment later, Pa and Mr. Lincoln were plodding through the thick snow, on what seemed like an impossible mission, to reach Doc Adams' house, and bring him back to her house, to save Mama. Thoughts of losing both my Mama and my Pa, not only made me sad, but fearful, that me, Jimmy, and even little Maria, were going to end up, in the poor house. I had to push such thoughts from my head. I'm the oldest child. I'm ten years old, and I must take charge. Mama. Marty. I want Mama. Marty. I want Mama.
Don't cry, Maria. Mama is sick, but she will be fine in a little while. Jimmy, I want you to take Maria to her room and tell her some Christmas stories. Everything is going to be fine. You guys can take some cake and pie with you and a glass of milk. After they went upstairs, I opened the front door and rolled up a ball of snow to make a cold pack for Mama's forehead. Her breathing was slower now and more ragged. Her lungs were struggling to keep working, but Mama's body was shutting down. I don't know how many hours passed during the five or six times I went outside to get more snow to refresh Mama's cloth. The icy cold linen didn't revive her, but it seemed like she wasn't getting any worse. The weather outside soured, and what had been a northeaster when Pa left to get help was now a full-blown New England blizzard. Gale force winds were hammering the snow into the side of the house so hard that the building was teetering like a ship at sea. The old farmhouse might have blown away, if it weren't for the soldier-like, oak and maple trees, that stood guard, surrounding the house and absorbing the worst of the ferocious winds. The cloth on Mama's head had gone hot, with the melting of the latest batch of snow in it. It was time for me, to go back outside and get some fresh snow. Walking to the door, I opened it. And got the shock of my young life. As the bulky oak door creaked open. The towering shape of a snow-covered man appeared. The light from the roaring blaze in the parlor fireplace revealed him to be tall, with white hair, and a long shaggy beard. Despite the blizzard, as he shook himself off, I could see that he wore no coat, and no hat. His hands clutched a blanket, that was wrapped around his shoulders. As I started to ask why he was on foot during a blizzard, he collapsed. He fell halfway into the house. His frozen legs were outside in the snow while his face and shoulders were splayed out on the parlor floor. Lee, our shepherd dog, who had been patiently standing guard at Mama's side, leapt from the couch, landing at the doorstep in a single bound. He began licking the face of the fallen old man. I brushed the snow away from the stranger, and with Lee's help dragged him all the way inside. His eyes opened and he tried to speak, but no sound came from his frozen lips. Lee and I managed to get him seated in Pa's easy chair. Then I went to get him some of the tea I had prepared for Mama. Ah, I reckon my head's a little sore. Guess I conked out there for a bit. I'm better now. Howdy, Bob. And howdy to that nice dog you got there. Say, are you bringing that cup of tea and that there bread for me? Yes, sir, it is for you, I told him. As he began sipping the tea and eating the bread, I noticed his great age. Like most ten-year-old boys, I think all grown-ups look old. But this wrinkled codger, with his shaggy white hair, and long beard, looked even more ancient, than the great maple tree on Cemetery Hill, which Pa told me, is more than five hundred years old. I spoke to the old fellow again. Gee mister, it sure is lucky you stumbled upon our house. Didn't stumble, son, eh? Mm-mm. Uh-uh. I was called. I'm a doctor, you see, and I got a call to this house. I got a patient here somewhere, and I know that it ain't you. Now Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. Ch -ch 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 -chumba. 
That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Where is she? I looked towards the couch where Mama was splayed out, still motionless and breathing raggedly. His eyes followed mine, and he jumped up even higher and faster than our dog Lee could, and was at Mama's side with a leap and a bound. He looked at my poor, wilted mother and said, It's the Spanish flu, and I know what to do. He took Mama's arm in his hand feeling for a pulse. He felt her forehead, pried open one of her eyes, then he turned to me and said, Show me your kitchen and your food larder, for I shall need several things. I followed him around for the next 5 or 10 minutes as he took a pinch of this and a dash of that from Mama's spices and other foodstuffs. Going to the stove, he put the ingredients in a saucepan and added water. Are there any birch trees close by? He asked me. When I told him yes, he said that I needed to put on my boots and overcoat, and snap off some small branches for him. Do it quickly, he demanded. As I was on my way out the door, Jimmy and Maria who had been asleep walked into the parlor and asked me, Who is that man? Before I could answer he said, Oh howdy kiddos, uh, who am I? Well, I reckon you could say I'm a spirit of the holidays, a spirit of Christmas, and I'm bringing your mama back home for the holidays. Aya, aya, aya. I explained to my bewildered brother and sister that he was a doctor who has come to help our mother. They accepted the explanation without further questions and seated themselves with their backs toward the Christmas tree while they watched the strange old man rubbing a snow-filled cloth on Mama's face and arms. I returned a few minutes later with some sticks from a birch tree. The enigmatic man, dressed in some sort of a white uniform, told me to break them into tiny pieces and add them to the mixture that was boiling on the stove. In a few minutes the whole house smelled of wintergreen apparently caused by the addition of the birchwood to the saucepan on the stove. Rising from a kneeling position at Mama's side, the white-bearded elderly gentleman rose to his full height and sniffed the air. It's ready now, he said and went to the kitchen where he poured some of the boiling fragrant mixture into a cup. Back at Mama's side, he passed the cup under her nose five or six times. Her eyes which had been shut solid for hours, fluttered. First one eye opened then the other, but she did not speak. Her lips parted slightly and the phantom doctor slowly placed the cup on her lower lip, lifting it very slightly so that a few drops slid into Mama's mouth. She coughed. It was a cough that snapped her back to life. Now with eyes wide open, as well as mouth, she pleaded, more, she said loudly, I need more. After she had consumed the entire cup, she seemed fully cured. She spent a few moments pondering the events of the evening before asking the old man who he was, and how he happened to magically appear in a blizzard, to save her life. I am, a spirit of Christmas, he replied, just as he had, to me when I asked. With that the kindly old fellow, who looked like he stepped off of an old-fashioned Christmas card, stood up. He truly was a wrinkled old man, who looked to be well over a hundred years old, but he wore a smile, that somehow made him seem no more than twenty-four. With amazing alacrity for someone his age, he walked to the edge of the parlor rug, and said that it was time for him to go. I had a blanket when I came here, please get it for me, he said. I got the thin white woolen blanket, and handed it to him and said to him. You'll need much more than a blanket if you intend to go back out in the blizzard. 
please stay here with us, at least until the snow stops falling. He said he wished he could, but he had another appointment. Next I offered him one of Pa's coats, and a few more blankets for the journey, but he refused everything. No, he said. Where I'm going I won't need those things, but I thank you for the offer. He looked over at Mama and she was smiling, until a cold draft caused her to shiver. You're almost well now, he said to Mama, but don't catch a cold. Here I'll leave my blanket with you. Wrap it around your shoulders until your husband comes back. By then, you will be 100% cured. He handed me the blanket to give to Mama. I walked over and handed it to her and then turned around to thank the wonderful stranger, but he was gone. He left, and we didn't even hear the creak of the door, or the rush of the blizzard when he opened it. The final hours of Christmas Eve passed, with Jimmy and Maria worried that their daddy would never get back home. Mama assured them that Pa would be back before noon on Christmas Day. Jimmy and Maria also wondered about something else. Little Maria spoke for both of them. But Mama, what about Santa Claus? Is he still coming? I want Daddy. But I want Santa Claus too. Is he going to come to our house, Mama? Mama sent them off to bed with assurances that Daddy and Santa too would arrive on Christmas Day for sure. Privately Mama confessed her worry to me. Since Pa put me in charge, it was up to me to reassure Mama that she was right. Pa would make it home by noon. I reminded her that Mr. Lincoln was about the strongest horse in New Hampshire. At a regional tractor pull one time, he beat half the gasoline tractors in the pull, by dragging two-ton sleds faster and further than the motor-powered vehicles could. Mama agreed that I was right and she went off to bed. As for me, I wasn't so sure. I peered out the window and saw that the moonlight was shining brightly on the road. The snow finally stopped falling, and the wind was barely whispering. I saw something on the snowbound road. Footprints. They were leading away from our front steps. For certain they belonged to the old gentleman who called himself a Christmas spirit. The steps which sank deep into the new fallen snow were leading back towards the city. How could the ancient man make it all the way back there? On his feet he had no boots, only a pair of flimsy slippers. Common household slippers they were, and certainly no match for snow and ice piled up two feet high. The following morning, dawn pushed away the darkness and the sun burned brightly with thick fluffy clouds, so motionless, they looked like they were painted onto the sky. Jimmy and Maria and woke up just as the first rays beamed through the dormer windows of the upstairs bedrooms. Rushing downstairs, they were astounded to find that Mama was right. Santa indeed had come to our house for Christmas. As they were about to begin tearing off wrappers to reveal their gifts, Mama appeared suddenly at the top of the stairs and told them to wait for Papa to get back, because it really would not be Christmas without him. They were disappointed but quickly got over it when Mama started fixing a batch of pancakes that would be topped with candied apples, whipped cream, and syrup from our very own maple trees. Just as we were finishing the meal and enjoying glasses of Mama's special, spiced eggnog, the front door opened and Papa hurried in followed closely by Doc Adams, clutching his weathered old brown medical bag. They nearly fainted when they were greeted by Mama, fully recovered and wearing a broad smile. They were full of questions 
but Mama told them to sit down for pancakes and fresh corn muffins. After their long trek through the blizzard, that was an offer they decided not to refuse. While they were drinking coffee and munching on the muffins, Mama began answering the questions surrounding the mystery of her amazing recovery. I was visited by a spirit of Christmas. He was a very old man and very tall. Dressed all in white like an angel, he went into the kitchen and boiled up a medicine from herbs and spices. He directed Marty to gather some twigs from a birch tree. When added to the mix, the birch wood began producing great clouds of an aromatic mist with a strong aroma of wintergreen. It was that brew which restored me to health. Just the smell from the saucepan steaming on the stove was enough for me to begin to rouse from my feverish coma and open my eyes. When he gave me a cup of the elixir and I drank it, I bounced back to normal within a few minutes. As soon as I was feeling better, the old gentleman told us that he was leaving. We asked him to stay, offered him food and such, but he would take nothing other than our thanks. I looked over at the children in hopes that they could induce him to remain at least until the storm stopped. When I looked back at where he was standing, he was gone, though we never heard the creak of the door as he departed. Doc and Pa seemed to have trouble understanding what Mama was talking about. It looked to me like they did not believe her. I went over to the table and assured them that what Mama said was true. We all saw the remarkable white-bearded spirit of Christmas. You and Doc are looking at me very strangely. This amazing thing happened just as I told you? Asked the children. They saw everything. It was Marty who revived the spirit. He heard a knock at the door. When he opened it, the old man fell face down on the floor. Papa answered and told her that they believed everything she said. But, Papa added that, it was impossible. Why do you say it is impossible? Mama asked him. You can see me, as the living proof that it actually happened just the way I told you. Papa explained when he arrived at Doc Adams' house, the doctor was just leaving on an emergency call. He had been summoned to the asylum, the New Hampshire State Hospital for the Insane. An elderly inmate, wearing only white hospital pajamas and slippers, got up from his sickbed and left the hospital. Walking outside into the blizzard, clutching a white hospital blanket around his shoulders, he struggled to make his way to the gate. Four members of the hospital staff put on their winter coats and boots and went to search for the man, though the raging blizzard made it impossible to see anything more than a foot or two in the distance. The old man was a sad case. He was over 90 years old and had spent some seven decades in the asylum. Once he was a promising young doctor who settled with his new bride on Maple Street in the capital city. When the Spanish flu came, he did excellent work and was able to save many lives. Yet, the life he cherished most, that of his young wife, was lost. Despite his best efforts, he could not save her. After her death, he became unhinged. Giving up his medical practice he began living as a hermit. Over time his condition worsened and he was committed to the asylum. Every day while confined in the asylum, he has relived that horrible night when he could not save his wife. She died on Christmas Eve 70 years ago. An orderly who witnessed it said that he saw the old man looking at the Christmas tree in the community room. Suddenly he became even more agitated than usual. He screamed in agony and said, I will save her. This time, I will save her. I must get there in time. I will save her. The old man ran from the community room with a speed more suited to a 20-year-old sprinter, than a 90-year-old patient. Running through the hallway, he grabbed a blanket from a supply closet, wrapped it around his shoulders. Then throwing open the big double doors at the front entryway to the hospital, he fled into the night. 
It happened so fast that he was gone before anyone realized what was happening. The searchers found him about a half hour later. He had made it only as far as the front gate, before he fell into a snow drift. He sank shoulder deep into a frozen death trap, leaving only his head exposed to the elements. The staff brought the old fellow inside to try and revive him. Dr. Adams and I got there just before he died. And the only words he said were. I did it. This time, I saved her. A moment later, he died, with a smile on his face, the first smile in 70 years. So you see mother, though this old man exactly fits the description of your spirit, there's no way it could be the same person. He never got further than 50 yards from the hospital. You and the doctor are both wrong. He was here and I have proof. Both Pa and the doctor looked disbelievingly at Mama and said, What proof could you possibly have? Mama didn't say a word. She left the dining room and walked upstairs. A moment later she returned, holding what appeared to be a large bundle of white cloth. She clutched it tightly to her and then, grasping the white cloth in both hands she held it out in front of her, spread open as wide as possible. Then she opened her hands and shook out the cloth. It was a white blanket. Printed in small black letters on the hem of the white linen were the words, State Hospital for the Insane. As both, Pa, and Doc, stared in wonder, Mama said, Here is your proof. The white blanket. Given to me. By a spirit of Christmas. And so concludes, Mama and a Christmas Spirit. Written, directed, and produced by Bill Russo, who also played the part of the spirit. Speaking of the spirit, is the human spirit stronger than the flesh? In this case it seems to be the case. The old man's flesh was not willing, but his spirit was willing, and fully capable of carrying on the mission for the old fellow, even as his feeble legs failed to carry him through the massive snow drifts deposited by the angry storm. This is Basil Nightingale, thanks for listening to Short Story Theatre, Season 2. We hope you will agree that this Christmas story is a tale for all seasons. The excellent new music in this episode has been compiled into a Christmas album, available for free on all podcast sites as well as on YouTube. That's it for this edition, if you like us, please like us on Facebook, or YouTube, or any of the podcast sites. Please come back again soon, won't you? Something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. 
Chumba. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.